Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello and welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast. Welcome along. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another edition. In today's program, I'm really pleased to be able to bring you somebody from across the pond who's given up their time to talk about their their niche and their expertise. And you will soon find out why I did this gentleman onto the podcast. Uh, Andy, Andy Neely is a gentleman who manages into leaders to give you a little bit of a background and I'm I want Andy to put me right if any of this isn't quite correct he's a principal of nearly leadership group the owner of a large retail business uh, he currently serves as a keynote speaker he's also a corporate trainer a coach and a consultant who presents workshops on leadership topics and works with numerous Fortune 500 organizations. He's publishes or he publishes first book, The Golden Principles: Life and Leadership Lessons from a Rescued Dog, which uses simple lessons learned from a beautiful golden retriever. This book was honored by uh, .com with a top 100 best books of the year award. So we're not talking about somebody who doesn't know how to write either, and. Um, but not least, Andy's methodology, which I want to get onto in the podcast, revolves around a very specific four-tiered approach to leadership necessities. So, Andy Neely, welcome to Leader Manager Coach. Well, Rob, I'm I'm happy to be with you. Uh, I might need to have you read that uh, that credentializing piece to my wife to remind her periodically how important I pretend to be. It's just a pleasure to be on your podcast with you and. And, uh, you know, getting to spend a little bit of time listening to some of your podcasts and on your website, I think I'm talking to somebody, obviously, who's equally passionate about management and leadership excellence. So um, I'm looking forward to our visit together. Perfect. And so, Rob, I particularly want to thank you for me here in the States. It's Friday morning and I'm still in the office. You you thanked me for my time a minute or two ago. You're doing this podcast on a Friday afternoon. The only thing between... You and uh, the pub, I suspect, is me. So thank you for getting together here uh, late in the day in the UK. Now it, it's a pleasure, and um, it, it's um, it's no problem whatsoever. Look, the first thing I like to do for the listeners is just to fill in a little bit of the understory. So um, fill in a few gaps about how you became. To the or came to the point that that you're doing now, just so you know, you've got a little bit of a free reign. So we know the gentleman who's um who who we're talking to. So sure. you know, how did sure. you get to to where you are now? If that's not a long winded yeah. question, Andy. Well, really, there there are probably two paths, Rob. Uh, I unfortunately had the experience of early in my career, just a couple of really bad bosses in my youth. I I worked my way through. Uh, uh, secondary school and and uh, university uh, working in the construction industry, um, and and just had one particularly bad boss that had anger management issues and would get physically violent at times. and And I remember sitting in the cab of our vehicle as we drove from job site to job site, dealing with this incredibly angry person. and 
And I and I just remember thinking, you know, Jerry is not just a bad boss. He is a bad person. And and he right. epitomized for me all the things that y- you and I would say, you know what, that's not going to engender loyalty or trust or dedication. And at the same parallel path, Rob, early in my life, while I don't come from a religious family, I found faith as a youth. And, you know, you had a, a recent podcast about Marcus Aurelius. I, I kind of chuckle with folks that I'm I'm talking about leadership. You get you get past Jesus Christ and Marcus Aurelius, and there's really not much new about leadership. And the whole idea of of um, self control and servant leadership. And, and so I've got that path that I'm doing in my studies and in in the heart of how I'm trying to become a better person. And then I've got Jerry and a couple of other people that I worked under that I thought, boy, they're they're like the anti-mentor of anything that would be good about leadership. Uh, at this point, Rob, that was decades ago, but it, it ignited in me a fire to say, man, what, what makes a good leader a good leader? Hence, the story that you mentioned, the books that I've written, uh, the small businesses that we own here in Central Texas, where I live, as well as the consulting and coaching work that I get to do around the states and internationally. So that's my brief story. Bad example, good example. Perfect. Perfect. It gives us a great, a great place to start from. And I think that everybody can relate to having examples in life of those we wish to emulate and those we learn a lesson from and think "Mm, there's a lesson here. And it may be the antithesis of of that. And I think from, you know, you're obviously a lifelong learner. Um, What I loved about what you've just said was the phrase servant leadership yeah. um excuse my autobiographical stance for this but i think it's the the greatest form of of leadership um yeah. tell me a little bit about why you use that phrase because it's important to me well you know Rob, robert greenleaf here in the states wrote the book servant leadership more than a generation ago at this point. And he he really articulated this, you know, the 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 vision for too long in in too many organizations, whether they're in the sports world or whether they're in the business world, has been the manager, the coach, the boss, the CEO at the top of the pyramid. And everyone serves up. And what Robert Greenleaf caught was the most successful organizations really go back and capture that old leadership truth from Christ, from Marcus Aurelius, from from the the servanthood model that revolutionized the the Western world, that that turned the world upside down in just a couple of couple of centuries. And and, and I used to talk about servant leadership, you've turned the pyramid upside down. I recently heard another thought leader that I thought had an even better analogy than upside down pyramid. They they talked about effective leadership is actually the roots of the tree and it feeds nourishment up mm-hmm. so that the tree can flourish. The tree still is the one that's doing all of the work and the wind and surviving the weather and photosynthesizing and nourishing and growing. But the only reason it can do that is because it's got the structure and and the feeding of the roots. And any successful organization, whether it's on the turf or whether it's in the boardroom, in in today's world, any long-term sustainable organizational success has got to be based on leaders seeing themselves as the roots of the tree, not the top of the pyramid. 
And is that is this something that you've implemented? It would be strange if not, but implemented in your own in your yeah. own businesses. Yeah. And yeah. have you got any stories about how revolutionary that's been? Or not not necessarily revolutionary, but how it's worked or how how hard it was to do or challenges or things that might illustrate this in in your own life andy yeah i unfortunately rob, rob uh i think coach if i was being perfectly honest with you most of my stories are stories of mistakes that i learned the hard way and then hopefully tried to figure it out the better way uh, i really have two paths to my career uh, okay. on the one hand as you announced i I, I do speeches and workshops and training. I've written a couple of books. I I uh, was in Houston, uh, about three hours away from where I live earlier this week, working with a client. The other half of my life, in some respects, completely separate. My wife and I own a series of retail businesses, five storefront retail businesses. We have we have swim centers. We teach little children to swim. I don't. But but I used to be a, a swimmer and a, a WSI water safety instructor. We own these franchise swim centers where today we've got about 125 employees that all percolate up. I've got a management team of about 10 people that reports to me. And Rob, the 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 lessons I think I've learned working with these managers, it's an interesting dynamic because here in the States, a retail position is typically a lower paid, higher turnover, people come and go, there's lack of stability. And and Rob, I'm not sure I'm any good at what I do, but I have managers that have been with me for more than 10 years now. And, okay, and I've seen their lives change from struggling paycheck to paycheck to paycheck to being able to put their kids through university now. And so part of it, I think, um, is simply serving your your people well. Now, Rob, you and I could both tell stories to your listeners about, you know, I went the extra mile for somebody and and they took advantage of me. And I think you and I both know there have mm -hmm. been times when when your trust was taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. I would say at the end of the day, the trust of a leader, um, that's one of the risks you take. Uh, mm -hmm. I've overpaid people. I've kept people on staff longer i've i've looked the other way um but at the end of the day i also have five pretty successful small businesses in a retail environment and i had people that would say i'm the best boss they've ever worked for and 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 this job that they showed up for that they thought was just another one of the reoccurring retail jobs they've been with with our firm now for more than 10 years so i think there's a tension there of excellence mm -hmm. that you never quite get it right no I think what you're saying or what it sounds to me like you're saying, Andy, is that no matter what, you did the right thing for you at the time. So you followed your conscience, your 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 little voice, you know, the, the thing yeah. and the reaction or the response from the third party was out of your control. So if they decided to be dishonest with you or didn't return your good what you consider to be your, you know, your, your exemplary way of doing things. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a leader because you, you know, it's not in our control, is it? And um, right. who, who are we to judge them for, for not seeing what, what you saw or they saw and um, you still yeah. do the right thing, no matter what. I think that's what you're saying. And it's beautiful. You, you, you try to, and, and there's a tension there, isn't there, Rob, whether you're, 
you're on the pitch or whether you're in business, you know, you it's a it's a life of trade-offs. And so you 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 try to do the the best that you can do, uh, recognizing my goal is to support the people underneath yeah. me. My, my goal is to give them what they need to be successful uh, to the best of my ability, hoping yeah. that I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You can. It's doing what's in in your control, isn't it? Isn't it, Andy? Not um, you cannot control and the other's response. You can only control your your bit, which is which is I think is what you're saying. Um, look, I'm definitely want to get onto these to the crux of these four leadership principles. But before we do that, I'd like you to um, just just tell me the inspiration behind um the book that I mentioned in the intro because I love dogs and um, yeah. it, it's it sounds like you stepped out a little bit really because you know I'm not sure anybody who would want to think okay I'm going to write a successful book I'm going to write it about a dog um, so go on let, let's hear that because it sounds a great story well Rob you know a, a little bit like you I you know I've, I've read some of your blogs you're a good writer people have told me that I'm a pretty good writer I, I'm, I'm a bit of a storyteller I didn't really intend on putting any of that together, Rob, but but uh, shortly after my wife and I got married and we got our first place, it was time to get our first dog. And uh, and uh, my wife's parents had a friend who was a, a veterinarian here in the States and a, and a dog was found out in the desert in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, the name of the dog. We ended up naming the dog Alex uh, for Alexander the Great. You and I, I think, are both a little bit of fans. I love it. I love it. And 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 he came from the desert. He was a bit of a lawless dog, although he was very well trained himself. He just thought he was in charge all the time. I love it. We thought that's an appropriate name. Alex became our first golden. Uh, and then very shortly after that, Rob, we would come home from both of us were working long hours at that point. And Alex had figured out how to break out of the house, hop our six foot tall cement fence just so he could go out and play with the neighborhood kids. And he was destroying mini vine, um, mini blinds and, and clawing through. And it wasn't that he was a bad dog. He just was a lonely dog. So our, our vet said, yeah, you're just, your dog needs a dog. And so we rescued a second dog. And, and that was many years ago now, Rob, and we've rescued at this point, um, we've rescued more than, uh, yeah, we've rescued 10 golden retrievers, not all at once. We typically have two dogs that are slightly different ages. And, and as one dog ages out, we rescue another one. But we've we've had dogs for uh, since four years into our marriage. So we've been rescuing dogs a long time. Gosh, it was a number of years ago now. One of the dogs we rescued, Rob, was a horribly abused dog. He came from a puppy mill. Here in the States, we have breeders that don't really care about the breed. They they just want to make money raising and golden retrievers are very popular. This mm. dog was rescued from the state of Alabama. 65 dogs were rescued from squalid, horrible conditions. And Redford ended up here in Texas when we were looking for a companion dog for one of our dogs. So we rescued Redford. And Rob, I'll tell you, he was the worst dog we ever rescued. Every bad instinct he had. Um and it took us a long time. Well, ultimately, Redford became um, the, the topic of one of my speeches that I gave in corporations about earning trust, because with Redford, it took a long time for him to trust us. And there were just 
many lessons we had to learn to become better dog leaders. So I'm telling the story of Redford. And then it was just one of those God things, Rob. I'm at a conference. I'm sharing the Redford principle. That was the name of this presentation I did, the Redford principle. It takes time to earn trust. I can see your head nodding. These are principles you're very familiar with. Uh, and, and the publisher and I started talking, a small boutique publisher here in the States, and he said, have you got any other stories about your dogs? And man, I just remember telling Kent, Kent, I, I think most of what I've learned about leadership has nothing to do with my doctorate, has nothing to do with my businesses, has nothing to do with my consulting. I think most of what I've learned about leadership, I've learned from these rescued dogs. And he said, that'd make a great book. And a year later, The Golden Principles came out. He changed the title from The Redford Principle. He said, nobody's going to know that. Furthermore, Andy, Paul Newman and Robert Redford are kind of tied together and people are going to be confused. It's yeah, a golden, golden retriever. So obviously the golden rule, the golden principles. And then and then Rob, Rob, two years later, somebody at Amazon loved this book and promoted it. And I get to call myself a best-selling author, but a best-selling Amazon author, as you probably know, is, is much different. In fact, my wife asked me regularly, so best-selling author, when are we going to start making money on your book? We haven't made <laughs> any money on this book, but I do get to call myself a best-selling author. And, so and I can see it in your face. You're a dog person. I'm a dog person. These uh -huh. are simple, sweet stories of, yeah. of dogs, right? And learning to do a play bow and and coming in slowly and and you know not wearing a hat and glasses and trying to be big really in some respects practicing servant leadership i'm i'm at the bottom i'm not at the top i'm not here to dominate you i'm here to earn your trust and so so simple stories but i think most of the things in life that are true about leadership are probably pretty simple yeah and it's a beautiful uh beautiful story woven together i mean Anybody who is a dog lover and has a dog or has had a dog or has lost one, you know, trust and that, you know, you can be angry with them and then 10 seconds later, they're kind of okay with it. It's not a problem like with human yeah. beings. It lasts for ages. And yeah, they. I think you're absolutely right. They, they, they embody servant leadership. Yeah, because yeah. they, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. they do. I think yeah. you've you've nailed it. Um, so no wonder somebody liked it. And um, yeah, and hooray for your wife for um, place. So <laughs> that's what they're there for. That's great. <laughs> that's right. Well, and Rob, today we've got actually uh, Redford passed about five years ago now, and his companion dog, his younger dog, that we got to be his companion, uh, Mickey. Um, Mickey equally challenged has got some. He had a uh, uh, distemper as a puppy. He's He's got some neurological issues. He's 13 today, Rob, and he is slowing down. He's having trouble getting up at times. And and I know you as a dog person, I can see it in your eyes. I mean, there is just this rhythm of how do we love our dogs well because they give us so much. And, and you know, we're in the last few years of Mickey's time with us probably. And and you just want to, you want to, give give these dogs a good life right of course of course beautiful story okay look i don't want to surpass this and 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 miss out on um kind of giving due time to the, the your four principles because i know that that forms a real yeah crux of of of, of your work and, and your life and 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 your yeah. teachings and, and what you talk about. So, would you like to start to tell us about that? So, because I think a lot of the lead, the, the people who are listening will 
be really keen to hear about that and um, try and implement some things in their own work lives, Andy. Yeah, well, you know, and it, and it came about again organically, Rob. I, I you know, I'm, I, I've got my dissertation studies on effective leadership. I've read exhaustively in the area of leadership literature, but really, I'm, I'm in the trenches a lot. I'm working with managers and leaders inside corporations. I'm leading my own organization, and I, and I'm just asking the question, what? What makes managers better leaders? And 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 really what what emerged was somewhat organically, and you and you're gonna resonate with this. In fact, I, I suspect you and I will have a good give and take conversation. I realize that there I'm when I look at a good manager who's transforming themselves into what you and I would consider to be a high-performing leader, getting the best out of their people, they're bringing four things to the table. They're a person of passion, of strategy, of vision. I call it the conviction piece because they've got their eyes up. They're not just thinking about the next three minutes on the pitch. They're thinking about how do we get through the next 90 minutes and, and what's our bigger picture strategy or or what's our three-year plan at the company. They're, they're able to look at a P&L and a balance sheet and manage risk well. They're not just doing the task in front of them. They've, they've got the bigger picture. In my swim schools, Rob, nobody should ever know this statistic, but Texas has a very big coastline, the Gulf of Mexico. People think of Texas with kind of John Wayne and tumbleweeds. We are typically one of the worst states in the U.S. for childhood drowning problems. I talk about that regularly with my team members. You're not just showing up to a retail job. You're saving lives because little mm. kids need to learn to swim. And Rob, I will be I will take to my grave the pride I have. Last year, my our five swim schools did just under one hundred fifty thousand swim lessons. Well, wow. part of my job as a as a leader is to remind my people in the midst of dealing with crying kids and 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 frustrated parents and and bathing suits that leak and all the issues of chemicals in the water and an indoor school. All in the midst of that. Part of my job is to get their eyes up. There is a reason you're doing this work, that conviction piece. And, you know, I, I, I suspect you've seen that effectively with the firms you've worked with and the sports teams you've led that mm -hmm. they're looking to you in the midst of things to remind them there's a bigger mm -hmm. goal, right? That's that yeah. conviction piece. Are you struggling to find that extra edge to help you stand out above the crowd? Separating yourself from the rest is often about personal leadership. Achieve your true potential and become who you really can be. The Leader Manager Coach Pro Course is a unique membership accessing the knowledge and wisdom from history's greats that will help you develop both personally and professionally to make you truly stand out. The Leader Manager Coach Pro Course. Access now at patreon.com Leader Manager Coach. That sounds to me very much like somebody who has a vision, and um, yeah, I think the bigger the, the the phrase, the bigger picture, um, above and beyond the detail of yeah. the day, yeah. is is exactly is right. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah in fact, okay. you know the 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 four of them: conviction, competence, character, and covenant. I'll I'll talk about all four of them a little bit more broadly, but. But I really do think in some respects, it begins with vision. If there's one thing that separates a manager from a leader, it's that they see the bigger picture, or at least they fight to see the bigger picture. They realize there's more here. In many of the companies that you and I work with, the, the more there is simply 
the satisfaction of a job well done so that I can take care of my family so that I can get my young child to university so that I can I can I can be a good corporate citizen is there a reason that I'm doing what I'm doing calling I think sometimes people say you know the the calling here in the states 25 years ago there was a humorous movie the blues brothers who were a bad band that had to travel around and at one point in the middle of the movie they said we're on a mission from god well they sensed that they had a higher work that they were supposed to do. That's conviction. The, the, okay. the second thing that I observed in, in folks that you and I would, would consult with and coach that were doing a good job was this whole area of, of competence, of execution, of being able to get their teams to perform. Uh, and so that it's an easy way for me to remember it. I found another C word, competence. So we've got, we've got conviction, competence, and then we'll talk about character and covenant in a minute. But but competence and competence from a leadership perspective is not just are you good at your job is are you able to get your team to perform well the people that are under your uh, tutelage you know and I I was on your website looking at some of the good successes and and you know people people were better off because they were coached by a good coach right and they mm -hmm. they had some some success in their endeavors the whole idea of execution. I think for a leader, part of that is managing risk well and understanding when do we gamble and when don't we gamble and and how do we know when to go for it and when not to go for it. And that's that's not a management, that's a leadership. That you, you're gonna win some, you're gonna lose some, as you and I talked about, but but being able to measure risk and to effectively know how do I set my team up for success rather than failure. That's that competence piece, the, the ability to get your team to execute well. Second of my four leadership necessities. Can I ask you something on that? So yeah. I suppose I might be jumping the gun a bit here, but um, sometimes you find people who ain't that good at executing, but they're amazing in terms of their personality and their character and their their leadership skills or, yeah, or, or yeah, their yeah. their trust just they, somebody yeah. who wants to learn and they trust yeah so yeah sometimes there's a compromise yeah well I, I probably wouldn't use the word compromise but I just think you've acknowledged what's real you know um I work with a lot of sales teams here in the states and oftentimes the best sales manager was not the best sales person they're they're their competence wasn't in the day-to-day -day selling. It was in managing the team and setting them up to be successful. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know as much about uh, the beautiful game as I'd like to, although all of us in the States have become huge fans of Ted Lasso. So we've learned more about <laughs> soccer uh, in the last couple of years than anything else. But on the American football field, one of the great coaches in the in the National Football League, Bill Belichick, who is probably going to go down as one of the greatest football coaches of all time, was not an NFL player. He played in mm -hmm. college, but he he never played at the highest levels, mm -hmm. and yet he's been one of the highest coaches. I, I think that's the point that you're making, where the the ability to get your team to execute well doesn't mean you have to be better at what they're doing than they were. You just have mm -hmm. to create the context for them to excel. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a big parallel in 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 soccer that uh, a lot of the, the eminent managers and the greatest who are considered to be weren't necessarily excellent players themselves. Yeah. They, 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 you know, it's a different skill set. But yeah. no, beautiful. Okay, so 
So we've got the conviction and we've got the vision and then we've got the the competence and the and the execution which we've just kind of filled out a little bit. So where do we go from there, Andy? So so the third one I observed um, was this character one. And it takes me all the way back to Jerry in the construction truck. He wasn't just a bad boss. You know, he was kind of a bad person that had anger management issues. And gosh, um, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, the truism, you will never be a better leader than you are a person is, is a long-term a truism. I, I think one. you can, you can fake it for a while, but if you're going to leave a long-term legacy and, you know, we're talking about fair-mindedness, other orientedness, honesty, a sense of what's right. These, these embedded character traits that, that I find as a reflection of my faith in Jesus Christ that you and I have seen together in that stoic approach to life, where there's a, a discipline and a self-denial uh, those are the leaders that leave lasting legacies because they they have the maturity to not make it about them. And so, um, so character, you know, it, it's not in most of the research findings that I took a look at when I was studying my dissertation. And I kind of scratched my head. I wonder why it isn't in there. And then I recognized part of the reason it's not in there is because, Rob, other than some of your writing and, and talking and other than the platform that I try to use, People are scared to bring this to the table at times because they feel like, well, I don't have the right to talk about moral issues in leadership. And mm. man, I just have to say with my own eyes for more than 25 years now, I've seen when moral failures occur, and I'm not talking just about huge moral failures, when, when, a, when a manager Small is one. caught lying, when a manager is caught holding things to themselves, when a manager is not practicing fairness and honesty and other orientedness, it impacts their ability to have people want to follow them. That character piece is critical. 100%. 100%. A couple of things that come to mind, Andy, listening to listening to you to talk there, is uh, one of my favorite phrases that hit me like a bricks, as we, as we say here in the UK, uh -huh. is... Um, what you are speaks so loudly, I cannot hear what you say. Yeah. And yeah. I think that sums up, it, for me, what, what, what you're saying, you know. And um, I'm yeah. just reading a book by a guy called Ryan Holiday, who's a Texan, um, who's written a book called Courage is Calling. And uh, it's a beautiful book. It's a, his depth of knowledge. And he talks about in there exactly what you're talking about, Andy, is those little tiny infringements which pop up in your life and you have an instant decision to make do i address this or do i just smooth it over and um it's not about life-changing decisions so you think at the time but actually incrementally it is um he talks about how disasters occur great changes and great um yeah yeah, he talked about because, and he looks back in hindsight and says, "Well, the evidence was there. It's just that I chose to turn a blind eye or not to say anything." Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, you know, the uh, here in the states, Simon Sinek is a popular uh, podcaster and thought leader. Uh, one of his best-selling books, "Leaders Eat Last," is really based on the understanding in frontline military endeavors, typically. 
the 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 good leaders, the good generals, they recognize our troops need to eat before us because they're the ones that are doing the hard work out there. Leaders eat last because because they've got the pyramid the right direction, I think. And that's what you and I are talking about, right? It's it really you'll yeah, never be a yeah. better leader than you are a person summarizes no, all perfect. of it in some respects. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so we've done um the conviction. We've talked about the competence and the ability to execute. We've we've I think we've lauded the 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 absolute kind of beautiful character. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Well, so so the, the fourth one, Rob, I, I struggled for a number of years. What I couldn't quite put my hands on what I was seeing good leaders that were bringing the best out of their teams. And I'm trying to find a C word so there would be a nice, you know, graphic yeah. there, conviction, competence, character. And for a while, I, I called it uh, uh, communication, um, uh, consistency. Uh, and then I stumbled upon kind of an old fashioned word, a word that we don't use much in the States, but probably needs to be brought into our vocabulary because I recognized when you look at good leaders that are practicing the type of leadership you and I have been talking about, um, there is both a personal and a formal aspect to their leadership. And, and the word that captures that really well is this old fashioned word covenant. And if I could bring you to Texas with me for just a minute to explain what the word covenant means here, here in the state of Texas, I'm not sure it's true in all other 49 states, but I know my own state. If somebody's going to get married, obviously there's the love and affection. There's that, that fealty that's in sick or, uh, and in health forever and ever. We're going to love one another and the, and the, and the romantic, you know, the connection, a very personal, intimate thing that happens that culminates in a marriage ceremony. The other interesting thing, though, Rob, here in the state of Texas, for a couple to get married, they sign an official document. Actually, the officiant, the legal officiant, signs a document that's recorded with the Secretary of State. There's there's both a formal recognition that this commitment has taken place and obviously the personal connection. And when I when I work with the best leaders I see that they have the ability to make the hard decisions that are in the formal best interest of the mission of the organization. They hold hard conversations. They make difficult decisions. They let people go. They shutter divisions. They do the hard work of formal leadership. And at the same time, Rob, if you and I could see some of the backstories, there was an extra seven weeks of PTL given, personal time off given, because somebody had a, 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 a grandparent that was going through cancer chemo yeah. and they were the primary yeah. caregiver. And it, and it wasn't HR. It wasn't part of the official policy. It was something that that leader said, this is just the right thing to do. Yeah. We're going to take that extra. I'll take the hit. It's going to impact our bottom line. I'll take care of that because it's the right thing to do. There's both that personal side and that yeah. formal side of leadership. And once I recognized, that's the word covenant. That That's really what it is. In some respects, it captures the entire essence of what good leadership looks like. Managers that want to become high-performing leaders, they manage the tension of putting your people first and keeping your organizational mission first. And, and that tension of leadership, uh, I call it covenant. It resonates so well with me, Andy. It's beautiful. I, I, I'm a self-admitted bibliophile, and I love words. And 
I can tell you do. You're a writer and you speak so eloquently. And I can tell how you described your process of needing to find the thing that hit the spot. And you have, haven't you, with that comment? I I agree with you. It, 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 It encapsulates doing the right thing, even when you don't feel like it, even when there's a massive cost, even when... Other people will say, hey, are you silly? Are you crazy? It, it, it's, right. But you're still doing the right thing. Yeah, exactly. And Covenant, um, as you say, uh, it, yeah. it nails it. Uh, yeah, I, I think, think it's so. beautiful. Because it maintains beautiful. the tension that you and I have talked with some of our clients about where you can't just be oh, the nice guy that lets people get away with everything. That's not leadership. I prefer to use the the term kind rather than nice. I I, yeah, yeah. I might be making yeah. it up a little bit, no. but no. but leaders n- need to hold the organization high as well, right? That formal structure. We've got policies, we've got procedures, we've got deadlines, we've got quotas. The the tension of all of that needs to be balanced with. And at the end of the day, I want my people to be taken care of. That that's a that is a high calling in a scary position, but the managers who get that right, I, I think they can put their heads down on their pillows at night knowing, I'm not sure anybody ever gets leadership, but I think I'm moving that direction. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think you're so right. And you're obviously somebody who who is in the trenches because it is about putting your head on the pillow at nighttime and saying, I did my best. Um, hey, the, the outcome, and it's the best of the of, of two 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 outcomes that ain't great but it, it's the best we can do and and i think great leaders are put into in situations to come up with decisions when whew, there, there yeah. isn't a good there isn't what you'd call a good outcome um right. but right. it has to be done um and there's a cost um yeah um but yeah. You, you you don't look at yourself you if that cost is to yourself well so be it um but that's yeah. easy to talk about and difficult to do yes yeah. Well, one one of my uh, one of my favorite graduate school professors, he talked about the difference between static equilibrium and dynamic equilibrium. He said, you got a bowl, you got a marble in static equilibrium. You just drop the marble into the bowl and eventually it just kind of sits down there and you don't have to do much work. It's just statically at the bottom of the bowl. Leadership is turning the bowl upside down. And you've got the marble and the bowl, but you're always having to do this because you never quite get it right. And and that's the challenge of covenant, I think, for good leaders. And, you know, Rob, you and I could both tell stories to your listeners. You know, the last four years, all of the rules have changed and and the work from home movement and the societal upheaval we've seen, the 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 pressures here in the states but you're also you've seen them in the uk as much as we have with with the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic but are we allowed to come out of the pandemic and now there's a new variety of omicron and 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 all of the rules have changed i think it's harder to be a leader in 2023 and beyond than it's ever been before um and so you and i as we work with our clients and our consulting and our we you know the it's this it's this dynamic equilibrium that never goes away you never get it right but you're always working that direction but i think andy at the same time and and this just maybe again it's we're all we've all got our own view of the world but uh, that there's so much of a need for people to 
adopt some of your principles, if not all of them. And I think what I'd like to say is, look, none of us are courageous all the time. None of us hit the mark all the time. It's not about being perfect, is it? And, and I think it's easy to to listen to somebody like you who's got a successful business and trains other people and, you know, helps 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 thousands of kids and, and, and you know, blimey, does let's not forget about rescuing dogs, you know? I mean, as much as if you're not a dog lover, you won't get it. But but it's not about living a perfect life, is it? It's about getting yeah. dirty, dusty and making mistakes. And if you can move on from that and learn something, hey, because yeah. that is what life's about. None of us sit here um, thinking we've we've done yeah. it all. I think uh, that that's a big lesson for me. Uh, well, and, and for both of us, I mean, I think, you know, you and I probably both come across to people's listening and watching this podcast, boy, they kind of have their acts together. You and I both know, no I, you know, as I said, 20 minutes ago, I think most of the lessons I've learned, I've learned because I've made bad mistakes, right? Yeah. That's cost time, that's cost money, that's hurt people, that's damaged reputations, that's yeah. impacted organizational performance. And, you know, if there's, if there's only yeah. any good in that, it's that once you make the same mistake two or three times, you start getting smarter about that same mistake and you don't make that one quite as often anymore. Hey, absolutely. Listen, Andy, I um I've already probably taken longer than I should because um I couldn't get my tech my tech story right at the start, but you you patiently stayed with me and I think that could be a little test of your leadership when you passed with flying <laughs> colours because you could have dropped me. Thank you no, for staying no. with me. Um pleasure. It's been always aware i think gosh i could talk about this for hours and then but but am i just being boring about it you know but um i'm obviously <laughs> talking to somebody who obviously align um i'd like uh, our, our listeners to be able to access at least if they if they, even if they're not in the states um to be able to access your knowledge right. and your work um so i'm going to put your linkedin uh on on show notes nice. um is there anything else you'd like to kind of promote while, while you hear about your work? Because it's fascinating stuff, mate. Yeah. Well, one of, one of the things that, uh, that one of my coaches told me, Andy, you need to pull together. You've talked about leaders being able to hold hard conversations. Uh, and so I've got a, a little eight-page ebook on the three imperative leadership conversations. Rob, if they simply go to leadershipmaterials.com, that'll take them to the page on my website where they can sign up to get this this eight-page ebook on the three imperative leadership conversations, leadership materials. In fact, Rob, as a podcaster and somebody who's got a strong web presence, Rob, I couldn't believe two years ago when I every good web name is taken, but leadershipmaterials.com was still available. My coach said, Andy, grab that leadershipmaterials.com because it's an easy one to remember, leadershipmaterials.com, and they'll get that resource. So yeah, and, wow. and, and I appreciate the time that I've had with you. I've got a colleague in the UK that he and I uh, podcast regularly together. Sam Bishop, He's a, he comes out of the rugby background, but he's like you where he recognizes the lessons in, in premier sports translate over into premier business because it's all about discipline and execution, isn't it? 100%. Absolutely. Well, I'm certainly going to head over to um, Leadership Materials and grab myself um, the ebook because um, that's that's something I haven't gotten uh I'll be I'll be devouring that because um it's just some of my street. Andy, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure, my friend. And um hopefully we'll catch up again, huh? Thanks, Rob. Yep, and it was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.